We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. Let's pray together. Lord, your old and prophetic words speak to us still. Help us to hear them. Help us to trust. Help us to follow. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, we began our Forward in Faith commitment campaign and a three-week series in the book of Jeremiah. Just to review briefly, Jeremiah was a prophet. Prophets sound fancy, but they were just ordinary people called by God to the job of bringing a message to God's people. Prophecy in Scripture usually has a dual character. Prophets both challenge and comfort. They have to tell the truth about where people are falling short, but they also give hope for the future. We started last week at the very beginning of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, with God's call to this teenager, Jeremiah, to take on the hard job of speaking to a community that was disrupted. No one likes to be the messenger when the message is convicting. So Jeremiah tried to decline when God called. Frankly, he said, no, thank you. I'm just a boy. This is not for me. But God reminded him that he was actually made for that work. He had to help God's people recommit to community so they could move forward. The book starts from the very beginning with images of planting, and they carry through the book of Jeremiah as Jeremiah helps God's people know what they need to do to pluck up and pull down so they can be ready to plant and build You remember from last week that the community was disrupted because the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. The way of life, the future God's people had expected, gone. And after a while, another thing happened. Some of the people of Jerusalem were forcibly removed from the city they knew and sent to live in exile in Babylon. We're going to meet them there in our scripture for this morning. Jeremiah 29, that I'm going to read in a moment, is a letter from the prophet to God's people who are in exile. They have lost their safe place. They are unsettled. They are unsure about any future as they live under enemy rule. When I planned this sermon series a few months ago, I thought about how Jeremiah speaks about the future of a community and how our commitment season is an investment in community. In my planning, our first week, last week, would be about what binds us together. It would be about how we are in small communities that extend outward in concentric circles to much bigger ones, and it would give us a way to name, through the prophet Jeremiah, the things that threaten our bonds in community, things like busyness, the life of individual success, our loss of shared past, our loss of vision for shared future. In our second week today, we would hear about how God plants community in unexpected places and calls us to seek the welfare of the city. And in week three, next week, we would land with the new covenant, and God's hope-filled promise. I had no idea, of course, that such horrible violence would break out in the Middle East this week. 
I didn't know that as we would come together this morning to read a story of a community in exile, the experience of exile would be so real for millions of people right now. With our modern access to information and images, we've been watching in real time as people are exiled either in place by violence around them or by actual evacuation, all exiled from the future they thought they would have, exiled in grief from losing loved ones and community without security and the comfort of a safe place. This violence touches our neighbors, our friends, some of our families, and it gives us urgency and our hope for God's different future. In this week's scripture, God's people have been in exile for some years already, and it wears on them. They didn't expect to be away from home so long, and the community has started to fray. False prophets have told them that exile will be over soon, and they want badly to believe that that's true and that all they have to do is wait it out. But this letter from Jeremiah 29 is a reality check on that false prophecy. Their displacement is not over. And as harsh as this might sound, that is not an excuse for them to do nothing. Jeremiah tells them that even in exile, there is work for them to do. Hear now God's word from Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to your dreams that you dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said, throughout the book of Jeremiah, there are recurring themes about planting and place, land, home, city, tended gardens, planting and being planted. Having a safe place is comforting and it roots us. Losing it shakes our identities to their core. And God's people, when we hear this letter to them, have lost their safe place. Like so many in our world on this very day, they don't know whether or when they will be secure again. Jeremiah has the task of propelling them forward anyway. He uses imagery from agriculture to show them that God can plant community even in unexpected places, even in a city they didn't choose. 
Now this lesson is partly about their physical place, but it is also about God's people themselves. They need to be plucked and pulled so they will be ready to be planted and rebuilt. You heard God say to them, call upon me, pray to me, I will hear you. Search for me, you will find me. Seek me with all your heart and I will let you find me. The community that had been together in Jerusalem is now drifting, not just because they were far from home, but because they lost sight of their own roots as a community of faith. God wants them to be rerooted in God. If they're going to have any future, they have to become fertile ground themselves and tend the seeds of community. Now, anyone who's ever planted a seed, and our kids have done a lot of really sophisticated seed planting, anyone can understand this image. If there's ever going to be anything new, anything growing or living, anything nourishing, we have to get the ground ready first. We have to pluck up weeds and root out pests, pull down vines, and then, only then, plant. I'm always impatient about this step. I want to pop something in the ground. That's even the language I use. I'm just going to pop these in the ground, one turn of my spade and some water, and be done with it. I've lost many a good plant with my unwillingness to take the time to prepare. God's people have gotten impatient too. After life as they knew it changed, they couldn't see how to prepare for something else. And they did what we all do when we get stuck. They looked backward and did nothing to move forward. When we find ourselves living in places that are unrecognizable to us, not the places we hoped for, not the places we want, the easiest thing we can do is pine for the past. We will long to get back to the good old days, even if when we were living them, they weren't actually that great. They sure do look better when they're behind us. The good old days for a community are a blessing and a curse. They are memory, and memory ties us together. Memory gives us comfort, and sometimes it helps us get unstuck. But looking to the past also keeps us from embracing the future. Jeremiah, dual character of prophecy, he's trying to get the community to hold on to the memory of who they are to remember what binds them together, but also to get on with it, to move forward. So he tells them that they have to plant. Did anyone here happen to grow up in a farm community or farm family? Not a single one. Oh, shy, shy fingers going up in the past. No, let's be proud of that. We're, we're grateful for farmers. My extended family farms that sandy soil in eastern North Carolina. So the rhythm of farming was thankfully part of my childhood, especially in the summer. If you didn't grow up with farming, and it looks like we have a whole bunch of city slickers here at Trinity this morning. If you didn't grow up with the rhythm of planting, planting is risky business especially if your life depends on it. We don't quite act of this here in the city where most of us plant for beauty and fun rather than to grow the food we need to survive. But planting is an act of hope. 
When we plant, we invest in an outcome we can't see, and we have to wait. It takes time for anything that has planted to grow to maturity, and there are threats all along the way. Weather, fire, insects, natural disasters, sometimes the labor needed to harvest. So many things can come between a seed and the fruit it might become. Planting felt too risky for God's people in exile. But Jeremiah pushes them to take the risk and put down roots, to invest in their future even if they can't see where it might lead. While they pine for their old home, he tells them to build houses and live in them. While they pine for the land they knew, he tells them to plant gardens and eat what they produce. In that dual character, he challenges them to get out of their backward longing and get on with it. And knowing that it feels risky, he offers the comfort that God holds their future. I remember being in elementary school and doing a science experiment where our teacher gave each child a small plastic cup, a clear one, like the little clear ones we use for punch at memorial services. You all know the ones I'm talking about. Each kid got a little clear plastic cup, and we each got a scoop of soil. And then she had a paper lunch bag and went around to each kid and told us to reach in and pull out a seed. The experiment part was that we didn't know what kind of seeds we had. Supposedly, our teacher didn't know either, although they all turned out to be exactly the same kind of seed. But she was teaching us about the steps we needed to take rather than the outcome. She was making us patient and diligent. We had to put the seed far enough into the soil to be covered. We had to water it enough but not too much. We had to find the right spot on the classroom windowsill so that it would get light but not get scorched. We didn't know where it would lead, but we knew that there was something for us to do each day until eventually little bean sprouts did grow. God's people in Babylon were too unsettled to move themselves forward because they couldn't see where they were going. And they would rather wait for all things to be safe and settled again. I feel that way a lot of the time. I often want to wait to do the hard things until it feels more like conditions are secure for me. But Jeremiah reminds God's people and us that we don't have to see where it will lead. For surely, says the Lord, surely I know the plans I have for you plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Planting is a good risk, even in exile, when God holds your future. Now there's another layer in this letter that we can't overlook. All of this planting and trust and hope and investment in God's future is not just for the sake of God's people. This may very well be the most challenging word in this letter, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find yours. In its welfare you will find yours. There they are, God's displaced community, stuck 
lamenting, looking backward and pining. And here comes this message. Not only do you have to get busy living for your sake, but you have to work for the welfare of everybody, even the people you counted as enemies. The Hebrew word there that's translated welfare is a word you know, shalom. Your well-being is their well-being, and their well-being is yours. Talk about a risk. People of God, we must plant and build for our own sake and for the well-being of all. We cannot wait for a time that feels right or for the place of our choosing. In fact, we find ourselves living in cities we didn't choose all the time, sometimes literally, But often, we look at the world around us, and it is not the place we expected. It is unrecognizable to us sometimes. We didn't expect that war would come into our lives this week. We didn't expect that after so long, humanity would still be plagued by racism and poverty and violence. Here in this country, we didn't expect that democracy could be threatened or that our government could grind to a halt. We didn't expect that Atlanta, this city that we call home, could be a place of exile with the second largest income inequality in America. As this church hears this letter to exiles today, while we're in our commitment season, every layer of this scripture speaks to us. We are challenged. We are challenged to seek God, pray to God, root ourselves in faith as we try to find God's future. We are challenged not just to look back. That's a hard one for churches. Not to pine, not to long for what was here or in our city or in our nation or in our world. We cling to the promise that God's future is different from our past. We are challenged to build and to plant not to wait for a time when it feels safe, but to act now. It would be lovely and much easier to take on the work of planting only when we are certain, only when we know the soil's fertile and conditions are good and the weather will hold. As people of faith, it would be easier to plant seeds of truth in a world that wanted to hear truth, to build a faithful home in a culture that doesn't distract or toy with our priorities. It would be easier to plant seeds of generosity and justice and peace in a world that didn't include greed and inequity and violence. But Jeremiah tells us that we can't wait. We don't know when God's reconciliation of all things will come, So we must plant now with trust that God's plans are for our shalom and not our harm. And finally, we are challenged to seek the welfare of the city. Whatever it is we're called to build or plant, it's for a purpose greater than ourselves. For the sake of a world that is broken and often feels strange and wrong and not like the home we expected. Even there, even now, God is planting us. For surely, says the Lord, surely I know the plans I have for you, 
plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future filled with hope. May we build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, and seek the welfare of the city. Amen.